listening to the Wealth and Best Wealth and Podcast number 46. This is the Best in Wealth Podcast Day show for successful family stewards who want real answers about wealth and investing so we can feel secure about our family's future. At the Best in Wealth Podcast, we think differently about wealth and investing, and we think you should too. Hey, everybody. How are you doing this fine, awesome day? My name is Scott Wellens, and I am your host of the Best in Wealth Podcast. This is a show dedicated to helping real people, that's you, build real wealth so together we can take family stewardship to the next level. I am a certified financial planner, an educator, and a wealth advisor. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast today. And today's episode is the retirement and 401k plans with HBO's John Oliver, part two. So if you haven't listened to part one yet, I want you to go to Best in Wealth right now and click on episode number 45 and catch up to part one. Or if you're listening through one of your favorite podcast apps, just listen to last week's episode, episode number 45. This will set the stage to what we're about to talk to in this episode. But before we get started, If you have listened to this show before, I want you to do me a favor. Please, I want you to go to iTunes, find the Best in Wealth podcast, and click on the reviews and add a review. The reason I want you to do this is not because I'm starving myself for reviews, although can't lie to you, I like reviews, especially when they're good ones. The reason I want you to do it, though, is there are a number of podcasts out there that relate to investing, retirement planning, financial planning, and all of the above. And there's this some kind of weird ranking system that goes on within iTunes. The more people that download the show, and by the way, we're up to over 11,000 downloads. Thank you to all of uh, the listeners out there. I really, really appreciate you. That's one way to get up in the rankings. The other way is through reviews. And most people don't leave a review on anything, but I'm asking you, please go to iTunes and give the Best in Wealth podcast a review. I would really, really appreciate that. Thank you very much for that. Now that I'm done begging for a review, let's get to the topic of the day. All right, here we go. Part two of Retirement and 401k Plans with HBO's John Oliver. You know, I can't even remember if I spoke about John Oliver and who he was in the last episode. Oh, well, that's here and gone now. But John Oliver does a show called Last Week Tonight with John Oliver. He's been doing that show for a while on HBO. He also played a role in the Jon Stewart show. He did that as well. Super funny guy, super bright guy, great writers on the show. This show he did about retirement plans was just amazingly funny to me. And I've been playing clips from the show. And last week, we 
went through about the first half of the show, not even. I think that I probably talked too much and didn't play enough uh, of just John because last week's episode was longer than I thought it was going to be. So hopefully I'll talk less today and we'll listen to John more. But if you remember from last week, John had just revealed to us that 401k plans, along with financial advisors, can have commissions attached and all kinds of fees that we aren't aware of but need to be aware of. And I find this with clients that show me their 401k plans. And you can see at the bottom of their statement, it might say administrative fee, $10 or or zero. And they think, listen, my plan is free. Oh, no. Oh, no, it is not. And generally, the smaller the 401k plan, those that are under $5 million or even under $10 million, $10 million those are the most expensive ones. And, and sometimes your employer pays some fees or all of the fees. That could happen. But most of the time, that expense is passed to the employees. And it's passed in the form of an expense ratio. And that is what was uh, talked about a little bit right at the end of the last episode. So let's get on with John now, because John then decided he was going to start a 401k plan for his employees. And his particular show does not have a lot of associates, so it's not as though it would be a large 401k plan. His company is part of a greater entity, but they were looking to set up their own 401k. Let's listen to John. As he talks about active funds versus passive funds, which I talk about all the time on this podcast. And uh, I, I fast forward the show a little bit because he went on to talk about just the great amount of fees that can be in 401k plans. And now he's going to talk about the fees that exist within the mutual funds inside of your 401k plan. Listen to this. So think of fees like termites. They're tiny, they're barely noticeable, and they can eat away your f***ing future. And one place where your 401k can be full of termites is the funds themselves. Generally speaking, you can choose between low-fee index funds, which basically just try to match the average returns of the stock market, or for a higher fee, you can get an actively managed fund with experts who will pick and choose stocks for you, trying to beat the market. And companies that sell active funds really believe in themselves. All right, so he's talking about the active versus passive, which is basically the bedrock of my investment philosophy. But give you an idea about your 401k plan real quick, just to break it down. When you see an expense ratio next to your mutual fund, a lot of times what's rolled up in there is all the administrative fees, record keeping fees, bookkeeping fees, all of those fees, along with the mutual fund's expense. So you may have an actively managed mutual fund in your 401k plan, and that might be 15% of your total allocation. And that active fund may have a 1% expense ratio for the fund. But then what's added on there is all of the other expenses related to the plan. So instead of paying 1% for that particular fund, you might be paying 1.5 or 2% for that particular fund for all of the other expenses. Let's keep listening to John about active versus passive. He's seen the light. He's started to look at the research. Let's listen to his spin on this whole thing. At MFS Investment Management, we believe active management can protect capital long-term. Active management can take calculated risks. Active management can seek to outperform. Because active investment management isn't reactive, 
It's acting. Okay. That's not so much a coherent commercial as it is a drinking game where you do a shot every time he says the word active. <laughs> but the problem with active management is that even many Wall Street experts find it difficult to consistently beat the market. And there is sometimes embarrassing evidence of this, like when a group of professionals were pitted in a stock-picking challenge against a cat named Orlando. All right, we're going to listen to about the cat named Orlando that was actually on a uh, news channel, I think in Chicago, NBC, and how Orlando did and how Orlando picked stocks versus the expert. But this was not new news to me because, well, let's listen to Orlando first and then I'll give you my story. Here we go. Orlando's method, he throws a toy mouse at a grid of companies, very scientific. Last year, Orlando's picks returned nearly 11%, while the pros had gained just 3.5%. Oh my God! Let's all agree that the Wolf of Wall Street would have been way better starring that cat. <laughs> okay, listen, this is not a jo- I mean, this is funny, but it's not funny. It's not funny because this is truth. And this is the kind of research that I did before I found my investment philosophy. Because I spent years and years thinking I needed to find the experts that could beat the market or I needed to try and beat the market myself. But this example with this with this cat Orlando on this NBC in Chicago is not new news. Burton Macchio, he did uh, he wrote a book many many years ago called A Random Walk Down Wall Street. It's a book I read about 15 years ago, and in there he noted this long standing experiment that was done in the Wall Street Journal. And what happened was they had actual monkeys throw darts at the Wall Street Journal at all the different stocks. You know, the Wall Street Journal lists all the different stocks and how they did the day before. And then they had experts pick winning stocks themselves. And over the long run, guess who won? The stinking monkeys beat the experts, not because the experts aren't smart, but because trying to outsmart the market is one of the most difficult things you could ever do, especially when you have to account for the cost of trading, all the intrinsic trading fees that you'd never even think of, like costs and bid-ask spreads, etc., mutual expense fund fees, all of the different fees, they completely add up. Let's keep listening to John and how he feels about active versus passive. But that cat wasn't a complete anomaly. There is growing evidence that over the long term, most managed funds do no better and often do worse than the market. It's basically the plot of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. If you stick around doing nothing while everyone around you f***s up, you're going to win big. (laughs) And the thing is, this is not a secret. Even some of the people charging those fees know that this is the reality. All right, here's, I want you to do some of your own research real quick. I want you to spend some time, I want you to Google SPIVA, S-P-I-V-A, report card, and then plug in year-end 2015. SPIVA, which is scorecard that comes out by S&P every year, compares all of the actively managed mutual funds and pits them against their style and then the index. And you will be blown away when you see just 10-year 
returns of active funds versus the overall benchmark and how very few actually beat the market. You don't have to listen or believe John and you don't have to listen or believe Scott Wellens, but you do need to do your own research and figure it out because this, my friends, is truth. Let's keep listening to John. One of the ultimate dirty secrets of the fund industry is that a lot of people who run other fund companies um, own index funds <laughs> in, their, in their own accounts and don't talk about it um, unless you put a couple beers in them. All right, well, who you just heard there was Jason Swag, who he wrote this awesome book. I read it a long time ago called Your Money and Your Brain. And he does an article in Wall Street and in Market Watch Money. He does a lot of stuff for the industry. And this was just a little snippet from an interview on Frontline on a Frontline episode on PBS. And he's admitting here that when he talks to some of these fund managers that they aren't investing in active funds either because they get it. They know how hard it is to beat the market. They have their money in index type funds. How amazing is that? Is that enough evidence for you to start rethinking the way your investments are? And I bet a lot of you listening don't even know whether or not you're in an active fund or a passive fund to begin with. We're going to move on here and listen to more of John. So between financial advisors, high fees and underperforming active management, the entire retirement plan industry is a potential minefield and you need to pay attention. And the reason that we know about this is earlier this year, we actually decided we wanted to set up a 401k for our employees. All right, now John's getting into setting up a 401k plan. Let's listen and see how things worked out for John. Because what he has discovered is that this whole financial industry can be a landmine in trying to figure out who is who and who are the good guys and who are the people out just to make money for themselves is sometimes a very fine line. Let's keep listening to John. And you might want to learn from our experience because here's what happened. We reached out to the production company behind this show, Avalon Television, and we asked them to take care of it. A couple of months later, they told us, we have your plan, it's provided by John Hancock. And we said, okay, fine. So John Hancock was the winner for the John Oliver Show retirement plan. But unfortunately for John Hancock, our researchers started going through the documents and started adding up the fees, which came to a combined 1.69%. And that was before we paid a $24 per person per year fee and the fees on our funds. So they asked John Hancock why the fees were that high. And, uh, and we were told that it was normal for a startup plan at a new company. And Hancock uh, gave us a lower number that it would come down to over time. And we said, OK, OK, that sounds fine. So each time there was an explanation, John Oliver and his folks were like, all right, I don't really know what you're saying, but okay, fine, great. I believe what you're saying. But the researchers kept digging and digging and digging. And they found out that there was some sort of broker behind this plan. And this broker was charging 1% on the plan the first year. I think that fee was going down to a half a percent after the first year and would maybe tear down after that. So they decided to go straight to this broker and ask the broker some more questions. Why is everything so expensive and how are you earning your money? We asked, who the f*** is this broker? And it turned out he was a guy Avalon had agreed to pay to help them set up and support our plan. And we asked him, 
Why didn't you present us with low-cost, low-frills plans like the one from Vanguard? And what are we paying you so much for? And he said, well, first of all, our plan was probably too complicated for Vanguard and that he did a lot of things for us, like acting as our financial advisor. Although, as we now know, that term doesn't necessarily mean much. In fact, if you go to our website right now, you can print out a free official financial advisor <laughs> certificate. And there you go. Congratulations. <laughs> you are one too. Well done. This is great. This is great. And and although our broker has other credentials, when we asked if he was a fiduciary, he, unsurprisingly, said no. Oh my gosh, the broker isn't even a fiduciary. That might surprise you. It doesn't surprise me at all. And he mentioned Vanguard in here, which is a very good company for some do-it-yourself investors. And it is a good place when you have a small amount of money. However, when we're talking this active and passive, and when you finally figured out that active management is horrible, now it's the job to review all the different companies that offer index type funds or passive type funds and to find the very best one. And if you want to know how I feel, I'm a big fan of dimensional funds for a variety of reasons. But if you go back to episode number 33 and listen to the eighth largest mutual fund company you've never heard of, you'll start to gain an understanding why I feel like dimensional stands above and beyond all of the other index type companies that use index funds and why and the research behind this company and the value that they add above and beyond the benchmark returns. So give episode number 33 a listen. Let's keep listening to John. Man, I feel so bad for this broker, but we we gotta keep pressing on with this guy. Here we go. For his fees, he said they would come down, and last night he sent us an Excel spreadsheet showing how they could come down as our fund assets grew. Unfortunately, in that spreadsheet, he made an error which meant that our fund's interest didn't compound correctly, and when we pointed that out to him, he sent a second sheet showing that his original math had been off by more than $10 million, which does not inspire confidence in the man who, as he'd repeatedly reminded us, was helping us navigate our very complicated plan. How bad do you feel for this this broker over at John Hancock you know I don't believe in what this broker stands for but I'm a human and I I feel kind of bad for him but we're gonna we're gonna press on because that's what we do here at best and wealth here we go now our lawyers at this point say that I have to tell you that both the broker and John Hancock claimed their fees would come down that they're competitive within the industry and worth it for the services they provide although you should know we decided early on to pay almost all of the fees for our employees because we were so embarrassed about the situation that we got them in and we're going to be leaving both Hancock and the broker and I'm guessing after they've seen this show they will be happy to let us go Uh okay so I wanted to play that part because I wanted to give you the disclosure too that I wasn't just throwing John Hancock under the bus and neither was John but really he was and they took the time to actually look through their 401k plan and all the fees and they're taking a proactive approach and changing plans just so, just so you know, we'll be replacing both of them with that stock-picking cat because he seems to really know his shit. But oh, sorry for the cuss words. The whole point of telling you this is if you don't pay close attention, all of this can really get away from you. But here is the good news. It doesn't actually have to be that complicated, and it might be getting simpler. 
Here we go. It doesn't have to be that complicated. That's what I try and preach all the time. This doesn't have to be that complicated. Uh, Again, hey, listen, I want to apologize for all the cussing in here. Some of it's getting beeped out and some of it is not getting bleeped out. I apologize. And we're starting to really get uh, ahead of ourselves on time, but I want you to listen to a little bit more of this. Back in April, the Department of Labour issued a final rule requiring that all advisors handling retirement accounts act as fiduciaries beginning next year. And that is great because the financial services industry fought this rule hard. They even launched terrible attack ads. Uh, You might have seen one like this on TV. It's these new regulations they're pushing in Washington that worry me. They want to make it really hard to get advice from our financial advisor. No more help from Anne? Even with our IRA and 401k savings? Well, only if we want to pay a lot more. Oh, we'll never get the information we need. We're going to call our senators. Okay. Do you see what's happening here? So there has been, I want you to go back and listen to the episode number 34, which is talking about the fiduciary rule, but there is a new law that's going to take place within the next couple of years with brokers, and that is a good thing. But what you're witnessing here is the propaganda that these huge companies are showing you and me on TV saying that the fiduciary rule is a bad thing. That's what that commercial was that you just listened to, and that's what is just killing me and why I need to be a white knight in this industry with a with a lot of people who are after their own interest. And as a disclosure too, there are a few brokers out there that are doing it right and they might even be charging commissions, but it's a real small amount. But by and large, that is not what's happening. The 23-year-old is coming out of college, signing up with one of these big brokerage firms. They're going to a bunch of sales classes, learning how to sell their product, and then going out and selling it. That is what is happening. This is exactly why I set up my company as fully independent and not forced by any larger broker or company for me to push product down people's throats. The rule has gone through anyway. Five lawsuits have been filed by financial services groups attacking it, and legislators in the House and Senate have passed a resolution trying to overturn that fiduciary rule, although just a few days ago, the president did veto it. So this is an ongoing thing because these big, big brokerage firms are still trying to make sure this fiduciary rule does not 100% go through for the brokers. Now, anyone who is a registered investment advisor like Fortress Planning Group is a fiduciary. All of these large brokerage firms, they are not. And I'm getting to be over on this podcast, but what I do want to do is finish out with the five things that John says are the first five that you need to think about as you're thinking about your retirement, your 401k plan, your investing, your financial plan, as you are thinking about your long-term. Think in terms of these five. And he has someone on his show talk about these five. And so I'm going to just play the final clip of this show. Is the best advice most experts can give you is to do five things. Number one, start saving now. In fact, start saving 10 years ago. Invent a time machine, use it to go back and start saving money. Then, kill baby Hitler. Next, average people like you, and let's face it, you're very, very average, 
should probably just invest in low-cost index funds and leave it alone. You should check on it about as often as you Google whether or not Gene Hackman is still alive. About once a year. And he is. He's still alive. He's writing novels now. Third thing. If you have an advisor, ask if they're a fiduciary. If they say no, run. If they say yes, but they're wearing a tacky Super Bowl ring, run. If they say yes, but they're wearing a class ring, run. That has nothing to do with this. I just think it's very strange when a grown man is wearing a class ring. F is a fiduciary. Number four, as you get older, gradually shift your investments from stocks to bonds. Here's a way to remember it. Every time they pick a new James Bond, gradually switch more of your stocks into bonds. Then go back to wondering if Daniel Craig is actually attractive. What do you think, Doris? Oh, he's so handsome. No, he's not. He looks like a blonde chimpanzee in a tux, and you know it. Ugh, I wish this was Veep. Try to keep your fees like your milk under 1% because just like interest compounds, so do fees. All right, there you have it. The five pieces of advice from John Oliver. Well, we made it through part one and part two these last couple of weeks, and I hope kind of quasi having somebody else on this show like a funny guy like John Oliver was helpful. Helpful so you can see that there are people out there that get it. That it's not as complicated as you think. That there are good ways to tap into the investment community and not so good ways to tap into the investment community. And if you're just starting out or if you have you know something like $100,000 or less or into that $200,000 range, using these five tips, you don't need a whole lot more than that. Once you get up over a certain amount of assets, I think starting to use these other premiums in the market that exist that I talk about all the time, the small, the value, the profitability, those are really the things that are going to set you apart and are going to add value in the long term to your portfolios. But really, the five start saving now. Use low-cost index funds. Ask if your advisor is a fiduciary. Only work with fiduciaries. Gradually move your, your portfolio from stocks to bonds. And keep your fees as low as possible. Not that difficult, right? Because it doesn't have to be. All these five, along with continue to listen to the Best in Wealth podcast, each and every Friday I come out with new episodes. And until next week, I hope everybody has an unbelievable week that you start looking at your finances and your portfolio in a different way and take steps to better yourself so you can have everything you dream of in retirement. i see y'all. On the flip side, bye-bye.
The Best in Wealth Podcast is hosted by Scott Wellens. Scott Wellens is the principal at Fortress Planning Group. Fortress Planning Group is a registered investment advisory firm regulated by the Securities Act of Wisconsin in accordance and compliance with securities laws and regulations. Fortress Planning Group does not render or offer to render personalized investment or tax advice through the Best in Wealth Podcast. The information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute financial, tax, investment, or legal advice.